Wonderful. Uh, so yes, no, it is a it is a pleasure to or an honour to, to to preach this morning. Um, uh, if you want to know um, how good I am at practicing what I preach, come talk to me after uh, the service because uh, um, I like to t- to preach on things that I'm working through in my own life, uh, which is good because I've got loads of issues, so I've got lots of lots of content. Um, but so this morning, um, I just really like to go on um, anxiety, and I've I put some slides together, but I, I realise this is probably not a helpful title, uh, as I've called it, anxiety more than a kind word. It probably needs to be anxiety needs more than a kind word because anxiety itself is probably not, not, not the kindest word. Um, but yes, no, I, um, I struggled with anxiety for this very talk. Um, it's not always being open about our weaknesses um, and honest. And I really have a, a great admiration for those people that are honest about what they're struggling with and what they're going through. Um, but most of the time, I am um, worried about very si- silly things that have no real long-term impact. Uh, like sometimes I worry what I, what I look like, what clothes I'm wearing, or uh, if I've made someone a cup of tea and they don't like it. Tea is a very, very specific drink and you can get it wrong lots, lots of different ways. Uh, or the, the main one is that when I've forgotten someone's name, my memory is terrible. And so you, you see someone and you, you should know their names. You've probably spoken to them loads of times. And then it just... <laughs> yes. And it just, your mind blanks immediately, and then the stress of trying to remember their name gets worse and worse and worse. Um, Jess, my wife, uh, hates being late. Uh, and then she married me, and I'm late to everything. So that's uh, a good foundation for, for a fun marriage. But um, even if we're a couple of minutes late to anything, she'll start worrying, she'll start panicking. Um, where I'm a bit more relaxed, I'm like, they're blessed to have my presence, so, and they can jolly well wait for it. Um, but I'm sure God is uh, teaching uh, Jess patience through being married to me. So. <laughs> um, but often I'll chew over the more important things. Uh, where my career is heading. When's the right time to start a family? What is my true identity? Whatever our trigger, whether it's money, our jobs, our status, our image, or our responsibilities... In that time of worrying, God can feel really distant, and I've experienced that over the last couple of months. We can feel like we're in a hole, and God is nowhere to be seen. So how do we dig ourselves out of this hole? Um, I tried, as you should, by sort of looking at the Bible, looking at the verses, um, and and seeing what what Jesus said about this. But I'm going to put my hand up here and and say I struggle with a lot of the Bible verses um, about worrying. Um, And I'd argue that if you can read a verse and not wrestle with it, in any way, then you're probably reading it wrong or you're, you're, there's some kind of understanding that you're missing there because you know, some, sometimes the Bible can be hard to read. But with my, with my anxiety at least, there's no quick fix. There's no plaster put over the top. It, it goes down to the true heart issue. Um, but when we typically talk about it and we bring out the annual sermon on worrying and, and, and putting them onto Jesus, and I find that it's, it, you can say a lot of platitudes about it. You can kind of brush over it and just say a few words and hope it goes away. So um, just let it go or cast your burdens onto Jesus. God is sovereign. God has it under control. And all of these are true, but they, sometimes they're not, not the most helpful thing to, to hear. So hopefully this morning uh, I've got a few views and a, a few uh, points to, to help us on that journey. Uh, when I was... Um, telling Jess that I was doing a sermon on anxiety, she started singing a bit of Bob Marley. Uh, Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right, which I found very helpful, of course. 
But um, I think there is uh, there is a king uh, there is there is a uh, a clip that just trumps everything else um, about brushing over your worries, which hopefully we're going to play now. Hakuna matata. It means no worries. Hakuna matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna matata. Ain't no peasant craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's the motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? <laughs> you know what? These two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba, for example. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned. And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. And oh, the shame. What a change in my name! Oh, that's in a name! And I got down on it! Every time that I... Hey, Pumper, not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Hakuna Matata What a wonderful phrase Hakuna Matata Ain't no passing craze It means no worries For the rest of your days Yes, say it, kid. It's our problem So that is the that is the, the best song for uh, brushing over your worries. Just say Akuna Matata and it will be all go away. Um, but um, yeah, no, I found I found the, the Bible a bit similar. So in, in Proverbs twelve thirty five it says, "Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it cheers it up." Uh, if only if if only it was a kind word. I've had several kind words, but sometimes they, it doesn't really take away the, the deeper issue. So. Unfortunately, I can't promise that my, my talk this morning will, will, so, will solve all your, all your worries, uh, just like in the song. But hopefully we can make a start and hopefully we, we can go on a journey together. Um, so yeah, as I said, I've got three points that I want to um, talk about this morning. Uh, three steps, really, to help us uh, reevaluate our life and, and sort of uh, put God in the center. So the first step is put God in context. Now, I don't know if anyone, anyone else does this, but I put God in a box all the time. Through the busyness of life and my own stubborn desire, sometimes I'll try and put God in a box and just put him on the shelf in my living room and just keep him there. And occasionally I'll go back and peer into the box, make sure if God's okay. Uh, and of course, I'll open the box out on Sundays and you know, then you know, God's out of the box and then Sunday's finished and put him back in the box. But the rest of the time, it's stand back, God. I've, I've got this. I've got this under control. Now, that never fully works, but you can only even attempt this if you've got a small view of God, if your God is small. But our God is massive. Um, John and Cara aren't here this morning, so I won't make you sing, our God is a great, great big God with all the actions, but our God is, is a great big God with all the, <laughs> with all the actions, yeah. Um, and I've got, just got three points there just to, to, to expand on this. 
Number one, God created the universe, which I'm led to believe is a pretty big place in itself. Uh, number two, he created us, um, and Jesus said that he numbered each hair on our head, which um, I think is pretty useless information. I don't really know what you can do if you know how many hairs or, how, or not how many hairs you have on your head. But God knows it for some reason. Um, and number three, Psalm 147, verse 5 uh, in the ESV says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Abundant in power and immeasurable in understanding. You can't fit a God with understanding that can't be measured in a box on the shelf. Our God's not only big, but he also loves us as well. He holds us in, in his hands. <laughs> but more seriously, God demonstrated his love for us on the cross. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we still rejected the God who created us and said, No way, our way is better, God. We're not following your way. He came down to earth to teach us how to live and he died on the cross so that he could, he could make a way so we could have access to God, our Father. This act in itself would be enough proof that he loves us. But I'm sure many of us this morning have our own stories about just how many times in our lives God has helped us and we've seen the visible impact of God in our lives. So when the anxiety takes over, when our worries become ever-present, become larger. I think it's largely because we forget who God is and just how big he is. And we try and put him back in the box and we struggle with our worries and our anxieties on our own. Quite often we'll see our God through our worry and not our worries through God. And I often forget that even if our fears are out of control, because sometimes our fears are real and sometimes we can't do much about them. They're just something's going to happen to us or something's not going to happen to us. But they're, they're still ultimately under God's control. And I think that I especially forget that a lot of the time. And, I, and if that's you this, this morning, um, I would encourage, encourage you to go back onto our website. Um, um, John did a series called uh, Free From Worry last year. And John was telling us about the guilt, the doubt, and the worry he experienced going down the chocolate aisle in the supermarket, which is typically John. Um, so he just bought all these sweets, all this chocolate, and was just looking at his basket and going, oh, what, what have I done? But then he turns the corner and suddenly goes into the free from, free from aisle, which is, uh, all of the, which is free from all of the, the stuff you shouldn't be eating if you've got certain dietary requirements. So John took this uh, example and said, um, how do we live apart from worry, guilt, and doubt? Um, and he started looking at Psalm 27, where David is saying, the one thing he asked from God is to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of his life and gaze at his beauty and to seek him in his temple. Now, you can't put God in a box in his own house. Firstly, that's, that's very rude of you to do that. But secondly... When we spend time in God's presence, he becomes a big God and he doesn't fit in that box anymore. And if, when we spend time in his presence, we get to know who he is and rem remember what he's done for us, not just on the cross, but in our lives as well. And suddenly God becomes someone 
who we don't mind putting our troubles onto. So when we're sitting in the hole, our great big God doesn't look so distant anymore. When we see God in his true form and how just how big he is and how much he loves us, it helps to put our own lives into context. And that's my second point this morning, about putting our own lives into context. Um, if you could all turn, if you've got a Bible or it be on the screen, uh, to Matthew verse 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, um, we'll be starting at verse 25, which is reassure, reassuringly, or not titled, Do Not Worry. So hopefully we can find some answers here. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yes, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which you can do, which you can start, which starts in chapter 4, I think. Um, and a lot of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is about flipping our preconceptions on their head and reversing it round, and especially reversing what the religious leaders of the day w were doing and were teaching people. So we start off with the Beatitudes. Um, so blessed are the poor in spirit, as they will inherit the kingdom of, he of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, comforted. Blessed are the meek, as they will inherit the earth. They're all flipped around on their head from what we'd expect. We wouldn't expect the meek to inherit the earth. And Jesus continues this theme throughout the Sermon on the Mount. It's not just about murder anymore. It's about our heart. It's about anger. It's not just about adultery. It's about lust. Don't boast about giving to the poor or, about, or how much you pray. Do those things in secret where only God can see them. And then Jesus finally moves on to this passage that we've just read. Do not worry. And, do not worry, rather. And to be honest, I, never, I really never liked this verse. It had to grow on me over a long period of time. Um, of course, the bird has no worries. It's a bird. The bird doesn't have a mortgage or responsibilities. You don't see birds reading parenting books or trying to find the right school or nursery for their kids. Birds just spend all their time on Twitter anyway. <laughs> don't hate me, don't hate me. Um, but in what Jesus is saying here, he's pointing at the stuff we fill our, fill our lives with. There is a simplicity about what a bird does. Oh no. Uh oh. Yeah. 
Was it, was it something I said? But um, we strive for lots of different things in our own lives. And, and some of those can be good. It's, it's important that we act responsibly with our money and we take good care of our children. But if these things become idols to us, we are exactly like the pagans that Jesus was referring to in the Sermon on the Mount. But in that verse, Jesus goes on to say, your heavenly father knows that you need them. He, Jesus knows the things that we need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, this is really, really good news. Finally, we can stop worrying because we know what Jesus, Jesus is promising those things to us. And all we need to do to get them is to seek first his kingdom and to seek his righteousness. So what is the kingdom of God? Because Jesus can be quite cryptic sometimes in what, what he says. Now, there's loads of interpretations of what the kingdom of God is. And if you look at some of the parables that Jesus was, was uh, telling his disciples, uh, he sort of is talking about different aspects or, or different, um, different facets of what the kingdom of God is like. But quite simply, the kingdom of God is where God reigns, where he is king, where he can exercise his authority. And if you go back into Matthew 5 and start reading the uh, Beatitudes again, you can start to imagine what sort of place that's like. But sometimes we get a glimpse of God's kingdom on earth through his work. And um, in, on, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus tell us, tells us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Um, and the Lord's Prayer is actually just before this section that we've read about do not worrying. And Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will is fully realized in heaven where he reigns. And we have moments where we see it on earth. And Jesus is telling us to pray, to pray about this and to seek this, seek God's will. But Jesus has said we also need to seek God's righteousness. And, and this is, thankfully, this is the easy option because we know we can't get to righteousness on our own. I, I actually knew the answer to this one already, which was, which was good. We are saved through Jesus dying on the cross. And we can only seek God's righteousness through that act that Jesus did. And when I was thinking about this and thinking about we're seeking, seeking God's righteousness through Jesus, some of my worries started to shift because I realized some of my worries were I'm not good enough for what God's given me. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be standing at the front today. But I know that it's not through anything that I've done. It's through what, what Jesus has done. God answered this on the cross and our salvation belongs and originates from God and is given to us through Jesus. So Jesus' command in verse 33 can be summed up by saying, seek God's will and seek what he was about to do on the cross. And uh, we'll be having communion next week. We're due to have it this week, but we're shifting it next week. And it's going to be formed part of David's sermon, I've heard. <laughs> Glad David isn't bored with that. Um, and so hopefully next week we can reflect on that a bit more. But if we go back to the passage, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, again, Jesus is flipping things around just like he was with the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Don't focus on these things. Focus on God and he will give you those things. I, I find that, that pretty mental. That's getting something you're, you're not striving for, you're not aiming for. Buy one thing and get a whole lot of more of these other things for free, it's, which sounds like a very good deal to me. 
when our lives are modeled around seeking first God's kingdom, God gives us those things that otherwise would be occupying our time worrying about. This really brought to my mind um, that a friend of mine, when we were young, put together a five-year plan, which I thought was quite ambitious at the time. And he knew exactly what A-levels he was going to do, which degree he wanted to do and which university, and which job he wanted to do. He had it all mapped out, every detail planned, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I know a lot of those things in that plan didn't go as expected. And I expect, because I know him, that that caused quite a lot of worry for him. Jesus goes on to warn about this by saying, take one day at a time, be present. Yes, it's okay to plan, it's okay to dream. Even if it's five years, you can dream for what's gonna happen in five years, that's fine. But don't fixate on those end goals. Focus on God himself because we may, not, we, we, we may never achieve what we planned. Have you ever been worried about something that you missed the experience? I quite often do this when I go on roller coasters. I'm so scared about falling out that I miss the, the enjoyment of the ride itself. And I can't stand up to here today and give you any promises about what kind of journey you'll go on with God. It'll probably look something a bit like the roller coaster with its ups and downs. But I can tell you, he'll be there with you through it all. And although God, in his sovereignty, could remove all of our worries in a blink of an eye, he wants to show us more of who he is through that journey, through that experience of trusting him, of seeing how big, he, how, just how big he is, for, for pursuing God's his will and through what Jesus did on the cross but if our mind is occupied with the direction and course of our own lives or about the stuff we can adorn our lives with the things our status our jobs our careers all the things that we can say all the shiny things we'll probably not end up where God wants us to be and we'll miss our God wanting to share our lives with us and to be with us but the thing we'll probably miss most God's plans for our lives trump ours each and every time. They beat our plans each and every time. This moves on to my third point. Let God use you. We looked earlier about how God's understanding cannot be measured. So how much greater will his plans for our lives be? I'm only worrying about my career as a business analyst, which doesn't sound like much. What could God have in store for me if I pursued his kingdom and his righteousness first? probably more than I could ever imagine. In me and my limited understanding, imagine the plans that God for, ha, has for each and every one of our lives. We, we probably can't even imagine what God has for us. 2 Corinthians 12 says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sometimes the anxiety won't go away. Sometimes we can pray and we can, we can reflect just on how God, God is and the worries will, will still be there for some reason or another. But God uses us despite our flaws and through our weaknesses. And in those times, it may be helpful to ask God, what can I do here? I'm worried about this this aspect of my life or an aspect of someone else's life, what, 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 are you, what, are you, what action are you calling me to? How can you use me? 
I'm seeking first your kingdom, no matter what it means to my personal comfort. And that's partly why I'm up here this morning. The first reason being that John's, John's not here. so You need to bring in the preaching, preaching B team. But um, I'm often anxious. I worry quite a bit. Um, and I find that very difficult to boast about. That's not really something you bring up at a, at a dinner party, is it? But I'm, I think I'm probably going to start trying. And hopefully something about what I've said this morning has spoke to you. Maybe we'll start worrying less about our own goals and start seeking God's goals. Hopefully we'll see a big God and a small pile of earthly concerns. But if God waited for each and every one of us to be 100% fixed before he called us to action, then nothing would get done because none of us are perfect. He calls us as we are and we're to be obedient, obedient rather, all the time through where God is leading us. So what should our first response be to this? To if, we've, if there's anxiety in our lives, if it's perpetual, if it's a blip, if it's just something temporary, what do we do tomorrow? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is, this is going to sound like a, a platitude, but bear with me for just one moment. As John says, I am coming into land, which you might not know how long I'm going to be. If you're anxious or worried, pray about it. If you're still anxious or worried about it, pray about it. Paul doesn't say, when you pray, you'll get what you pray for. That's not promised to us. He says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, as we, we learned earlier, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes in our worries, God, in his sovereignty, in his bigness, will come and pick us out of the hole. Sometimes God will leave us in the hole and give us a peace about bring, being in the hole because God's there, God's next to us. In both of these times, we are still called to pray and to pray with thanksgiving. It's easy to thank a big God and it's easy to thank the one where our righteousness comes from. So I'm just going to be obedient now and just to finish off, I'm just going to pray. So if you can um, close your eyes. Thank you, God, that you gave us two things to do. Father, to seek your will, and to remember what Jesus did for us. We thank you for the cross. Thank you, Father, that you sought the rest of our lives out, Father, if we seek those two things. Thank you that everything else falls into place. Lord, I just pray for those of us that are anxious this morning. And uh, I pray for those, for some of those, that's a, it's, a, it's a temporary situation. And I pray for those whom it's a, a daily battle to get out of bed, Father. For all of us, Father, I just pray for your peace. And I pray that you'll guard our hearts. Amen. We're just going to sing a final song this morning. But um, if something, if something, what I've said even if it's, if it's a terrible joke, has, uh, has spoken to you this morning. Um, we'd love to come pray for you. Um, come see me. 
Uh, come see David. Come put your hand up and someone will come to you and pray for you. Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed. Renewed. Flowing from the grace that I found in you. Lord, I come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close. Let your love surround me. Bring me near. Draw me to your side. And as I wait, I'll rise up like the I will soar with you Your spirit leads me on By the power of your love Lord, unveil my eyes Let me see you face to face The knowledge of your love you live in me Lord renew my mind as your will unfolds in my life living every day by the power of your love Hold me close, let your love surround me, bring me near, draw me to your side. up like the eagle 
close father thank you that your love surrounds us and I just pray father as we go out as we um, start our weeks again father that your your presence presence will go with us father your Holy Spirit will fill us and I pray father that you uh, any of our concerns or our worries and our anxieties father will will start the journey and share them with you Lord amen Guys, thank you. We've, we've finished early because John's not here. Praise the Lord. Um, help yourself to tea and coffee and stay around to chat. Um, the chairs and the tables don't need moving again. Can I get a hallelujah for the chairs and the tables? Not really moving. Uh, so we're just be packing up the PA. But guys, uh, yes, help yourself to tea and coffee and we'll see you uh, here next week.